On today's episode of Locked On Oilers, could Patrick Kane become an Edmonton Oiler? What would it take and who would go the other way for Patrick Kane to come to Edmonton? All that and more on today's episode of Locked On Oilers. Your Locked On Oilers, your daily podcast on the Edmonton Oilers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to the Locked On Oilers podcast. I'm your host and former Oilers game day producer, Brett Holden, on today's episode. As mentioned, Patrick Kane could be on the trade block. I kind of alluded to it on yesterday's episode, but let's get into that. How could the Edmonton Oilers pry Patrick Kane out of Chicago? We will go through some potential trade targets for the uh, Chicago Blackhawks, who they might want to pluck out of Edmonton. And then we will talk about the trade itself. What could a trade for Patrick Kane actually look like? Also on today's episode, Evan Bouchard changes number to two today. So how did his season, his final season with number 75 go? Last season, we will get into a season report card as well today on today's episode of Locked On Oilers. Thank you so much for making Locked On Oilers your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you find your podcast. Alrighty, well, let's uh, get a little speculatory. Speculatory? I think that's the right word I'm looking for. Let's get speculatory today, as uh, there hasn't been a lot of news around the Edmonton Oilers, so hey, that normally means Kenny Holland is a cooking. No, I'm just kidding. But that normally leaves us fans in the side, on the sidelines, going, "All right, what now?" Well, let's 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 have some fun. A little bit of not necessarily rumors directly towards the Edmonton Oilers. Apparently, there have been talks internally for the Edmonton Oilers to take a look at bringing in Patrick Kane. Obviously, last year, the Edmonton Oilers swung a deal with the Chicago Blackhawks as well to bring in Duncan Keith. So could the Edmonton Oilers be looking at something kind of similar to bring in Patrick Kane. Well, last year, when the Edmonton Oilers did trade for Duncan Keith, there were a little bit of a different uh, uh, circumstances around it when Duncan Keith was traded. It was because he wanted to be closer to Colton, his son. Mm, that's not necessarily a tie that Patrick Kane has with the Edmonton Oilers or with the Western side of Canada in general, but also in the trade for Duncan Keith. Caleb Jones went the other way. Now, I know that sounds a little bit, uh, so what? It's Caleb Jones. Well, Caleb Jones was then used as kind of a pawn for the Chicago Blackhawks to say, hey, Seth, Seth Jones, I mean, come on over as well. We have your brother. So it was something that kind of worked out for both teams, uh, something that both teams got something out of it. And obviously the Edmonton Oilers did get uh, their veteran presence. And that's a little bit of a different situation for Patrick Kane. Now the Chicago Blackhawks are seemingly in a rebuild as Patrick Kane. And I think Jonathan Taze, if I'm not mistaken, are currently their top two highest paid players. And I say mistaken mistakenly or I may be mistaken because after that I'm pretty sure the next highest paid player on the Chicago Blackhawks and you can fact check me on this is Max Domi so a lot of investments going in different places now 
seems like it's not the best place for Patrick Kane to be. So what would it take for the Edmonton Oilers to prime out of Chicago? Well, obviously Chicago is in a little bit of a rebuild. So the younger players are the ones that uh, are more likely to be sent off or come off the books in a trade like that. I have three uh, uh, um, prospects here from the Edmonton Oilers organization, and one mm, could he be thrown in potentially that the Chicago Blackhawks could be looking at. The first name is Dmitry Samarukov, a guy who some people might have slated making the team this year. So Samarukov caught got caught into excuse me some uh, injury problems later on in the season and was unable to finish the season on the ices he was able to uh, come up with the Edmonton Oilers as the black aces in the playoffs but again the only one of those black aces got any uh, playing time and that was Dylan Holloway and that was less than five minutes so or about five minutes so uh Dmitry Samarukov kind of a tough season last year did also get a couple uh, uh minutes with with the Edmonton Oilers. I believe he played against the St. Louis Blues in his NHL debut. Uh, didn't go too well. Dave Tippett benched him immediately. So a guy who's also been in some trade talks as well for the last couple of seasons for the Edmonton Oilers to uh, pull off a potential big deal. Is this now the time? I mean, if the Edmonton Oilers are in for one of the best players in the last generation in Patrick Kane then I think he probably could be. The next name is Raphael Lavoie, former Halifax Moosehead and now playing for the Bakersfield Condors, a guy who the Edmonton Oilers got in the second round of, I believe it was a 2020 draft, if I'm not mistaken as well. Uh, but a uh, guy that some people had going in the first round of that draft, a little bit of uh, a fall for Raphael Lavoie, some upside for him there. But he's still a work in progress. Uh, Raphael Lavoie uh, played last year in Bakersfield as well. He's ended the season before last year as well in Bakersfield after spending some time in Major Junior as well. So he has some professional uh, experience. I don't see him making the team this year. Maybe a potential call-up at some point, some point for the Oilers. But that's not really where the Oilers are sitting with most of their players. They could see Raphael Lavoie as a bit of an expenditure there. The third name that I have for the Edmonton Oilers and some prospects that they could move out is one that I don't think a lot of people will like, but one that'll definitely move the needle in a move for Patrick Kane. And that's Xavier Borgo. I think Xavier Borgo would be a massive trade piece in any type of big trade that the Edmonton Oilers would look to make. He had a massive season last year in Major Junior with uh, Shawinigan Cataract. And uh, it could be somebody that a lot of teams around the league are upset that they didn't take at 20 or before the Edmonton Oilers did at 20 what was it two did they make that move there uh so they moved back for uh with Minnesota and that was when everybody was going oh why didn't they pick Jesper Volsad uh because they then picked <laughs> Xavier Borgo so those are the three that I think could be brought up for sure in trade talks, the one that I was kind of maybe throw in there is Tyler Tulio. Uh, I like Tyler Tulio, plays for the Oshawa Generals in the OHL. Uh, a pretty decent prospect for the Edmonton Oilers. Just saw him in the Billy Moore's Cup, scored two goals in that. Uh, so, uh, 
he's a decent prospect. I don't know exactly where he would be on other teams' uh, uh, boards, I guess, but could be a throw-in guy as well. Uh, some other names as well. Warren Fogle has been a name that uh, might be used for some cap space and Tyson Berry as well with a four and a half million dollar cap hit. If the Edmonton Oilers were to make a move for Patrick Kane, it would have to see some sort of uh, salary or contract coming out. And I think Tyson Berry makes the most sense. Shore up that defense for the Chicago Blackhawks down there. And then as well, you get a contract in contract out. Plus some picks as well that could be in play for the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, the 2023 uh, first round pick as second and third round pick really and uh next year's first round pick as well i could see the edmonton oilers potentially moving in a move like this so what could the move look like i have a couple of trade proposals to throw to you and i want to know your thoughts we will get into that in just a second but first from the people who invented healthy and tasty comes the latest gift to your taste bud. You've probably heard and tried the amazing coconut brownie chunk built bar. Guess what? The friends at built have given coconut brownie chunk the puffs treatment. Yes, that is right. The coconut brownie chunk built bar flavor you love in a chewy, marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate. It's like a fluffy cloud of brownie. I'm drooling. I am drooling. But you stop drooling and listen as well. They're good for you. As, even though it doesn't sound like it, they are good for you. Low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and all Delicious. All built bars are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently. I didn't know that. Uh, it also provides tons of health benefits. Eat something that is not only tasting good, but is good for you. Delicious coconut, rich, sweet brownie, creamy marshmallow. Oh my goodness, stop fantasizing. I think I'm drooling. My mouth is watering. Uh, get to BuiltBar.com right now and order your box of coconut brownie chunk Built Puffs at this moment. While you're over at Built.com, make sure you use the promo code LOCKED15, that is LOCKED15, to get 15% off your next order. That is promo code LOCKED15, that is 15, get 15% off your next order ideas i move my notes around as i have whiteboards on whiteboards on whiteboards but what would a trade for uh, i almost said evander kane the edmonton Oilers don't have to worry about that because they already have him what would a trade for patrick kane look like for the edmonton oilers well i just mentioned some potential targets for the chicago blackhawks let's put some of those targets into the uh, mixing bowl and see what we get. Well, the first trade proposal I would uh, send to Chicago if I was Ken Holland with more hair, uh, I would say, hey, Tyson Berry, appreciate what you've done. Great defenseman, but uh, Chicago needs you. We, we appreciate you, Chicago needs you. I'd put in Tyson Berry, Raphael Lavoie, 
and think very solid uh, uh, forward there. I think he's also a guy who might be ready to make a push for the NHL, and I think being on a team like Chicago, where basically, I mentioned a little while ago, a team here in Edmonton, FC Edmonton, uh, they have kind of, they've been dubbed uh, FC Opportunity. And I think that's what Chicago is kind of like. You just, you get a guy into that system and give them the opportunity to play in the NHL. And I think Raphael Lavoie would really benefit from that. Uh, and the Chicago Blackhawks as well. Uh, on top of those two players, I think the Edmonton Oilers should include a 2023 first round pick, a 2023 third round pick, and a 2024 second round pick. Now I know that sounds like a lot of picks, but you have like you have to even look at the Zach Cassian trade. The Edmonton Oilers did toss in a couple extra picks just to throw uh, 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 Zach Cassian over to the Wolves, well the Coyotes, I guess, and uh, really have the Coyotes eat that contract that's what it takes nowadays you're not necessarily getting an entity in return for a draft pick what you're getting in return is some sort of deal within a deal and like they said like you saw in the uh, Zach Cassian deal the Edmonton Oilers had to throw in an extra pick here in order for the Coyotes to go okay fine we'll eat the entire salary that's kind of the same mentality that's going into this Patrick Kane deal the Edmonton Oilers, no matter what deal they make with the Chicago Blackhawks, all things considered, uh, the, the Chicago Blackhawks are going to have to retain some sort of salary for this trade. So, now you are not only trading for the entity of Patrick Kane, but you are trading for the idea of retaining some sort of salary. That in itself becomes an entity in the trade. So that's why I have three draft picks, a prospect, and Tyson Berry going to the Chicago Blackhawks for Patrick Kane and 40% of his salary retained. Now, that sounds like a lot. You can go up to 50%. The reason why I went 40% was, again, the Edmonton Oilers can chip in that extra top-end, top-three-round th pick, uh, or draft pick, I should say, and for Chicago to take that extra even 10% in retain and in, in uh, salary retained excuse me that would mean with 40 percent uh salary retained patrick kane would have a 6.26 million dollar cap hit which would mean the edmonton oilers would only be over the salary cap by 1.721 million dollars now remember the edmonton oilers have over six million dollars in that little dead cap space that they can play with because of the ltir with oscar clefbaum and mike smith so them being over by 1.72 million doesn't exactly hurt them too much so that is the first proposal i have from the edmonton oilers tyson berry Raphael lavoie a 2023 first round pick a 2024 second round pick and again in 2023 a third round pick uh that is the first proposal for patrick kane the second proposal i have the Edmonton Oilers sending once again Tyson Berry to the Chicago Blackhawks. Again, that's salary in, salary out. 
Then I'm throwing in another defenseman, and that is Dmitry Samarukov. I think Samarukov, again, a guy who should be playing in the NHL this year. I think now it's just over-marinating the stake, I guess, for him to play in the AHL. He's ready to make the jump, and I think in Chicago, at uh, FC Opportunity in Chicago, uh, they should be able to have some space for him to play some sort of minutes in the NHL. and. For him to be effective. Uh, then on top of Dmitry Samarukov, I have a 2023 first round pick and the 2024 first round pick. Now, in return, Patrick Kane to the Edmonton Oilers for only 30 percent of his salary retained that is why it's not an extra pick it's two first rounders a prospect and a contract in contract out uh type deal because with that 30 percent re uh, retainment patrick kane has a 7.31 million dollar cap hit then that's a little bit more palatable i guess that would mean the edmonton oilers have uh, evander kane at a 5.125 McDavid at a 12 and a half and Patrick Kane at a 7.31 million dollar cap hit. That's a pretty solid cap hit for the first line who would probably win the Stanley Cup. Uh, in that deal, the Edmonton Oilers would then go over the salary cap by 2.76 million dollars. So again, that's that would be the penalty of not throwing in that extra pick for the retainment. You are going over the cap by an extra basically million dollars, but Again, the Edmonton Oilers do have about $6 million in cap space to worry about extra, I guess, with the LTIR. So how do you think those deals would go over? Would you make that deal if you're Chicago? Would you make that deal if you're Edmonton? Again, if the Edmonton Oilers trade for Patrick Kane, their first line is Evander Kane, Connor McDavid, Patrick Kane. I saw people on the internet saying, oh no, the Edmonton Oilers don't need Patrick Kane. Why? Why? What are you talking about? Oh yeah, hey, hey, I see all of these very shiny toys over here that you have on your team. You can have this other very shiny toy who's just as good and can really make all of your shiny toys that much better and probably win a cup. But nah, nah, don't want him. Need defensemen. Need a defenseman. The people who are saying that the Edmonton Oilers absolutely need defensemen are not people who cover the Edmonton Oilers or watch the Edmonton Oilers too closely. Now, if the Edmonton Oilers do trade Tyson Berry in a trade for uh, Patrick Kane, yes, then maybe they do. But you have to realize, I can't even have two hands, where one hand, I would have to use two hands to count the amount of defensemen coming up to the Edmonton Oilers that could push for a, a roster spot on the Oilers next year. Marcus Niemelainen, Slater Cuckoo has been a name that has come back for the Edmonton Oilers. Philip Broberg's going to be in the lineup all day, all year next year for the Edmonton Oilers as well. Vincent DeHarnay is making a push for the Edmonton Oilers roster as well. Uh, Phil Kemp might have uh, an outside shot. Michael Kesselring as well. There are tons of Edmonton Oilers prospects and guys that just straight up like a Slater Cuckoo who's been injured the last couple of years that can push for that spot and the Edmonton and if they don't trade Dmitry Samarukov there's another one 
The Edmonton Oilers need to get better in whichever way they can. And if that means that a Kyler Yamamoto has to go down to the second line instead of playing on the first line with Connor McDavid because Patrick Kane is there, then I think they're going to go, hmm, okay, yeah, you know what? We're going to make that deal. Really? Evander Kane, Connor McDavid, Patrick Kane. Zach Hyman. Leon Dreisaitl. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Tyler Yamamoto even. Then you can have a third line center of Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and then you can have a fourth line center in Ryan McLeod. Then on that third line, you can have a Dylan Holloway, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and a yes, a RV. Oh, yes, please. Then on that fourth line, if you don't move uh, Warren Fogle, you can have Fogle, McLeod, and uh, uh, Matthias Janmark. Those are four fantastic lines who can go out there, do a job, and score a goal no matter what. That's how you win hockey games. That's how you win a Stanley Cup, people. Depth. And that's what the Edmonton Oilers could have in a trade for Patrick Kane without even having to sell the farm. Pretty exciting, if you ask me. Uh, but speaking of that Edmonton Oilers defense, we are going to continue with our season report cards with a player who's making news or today, I guess. Not really massive news, but he's changing his number. Yes, Evan Bouchard is going from 75 to number two for the Edmonton Oilers. So how did the newly crowned number two play last season? We will get into that in just a second. But first... Who do you think are the top 50 players in the NFL right now? Well, which NFL stars are now moving up and down the betting lines the most? Starting July 18th, which is yesterday, so you better get ca caught up now. Uh, Locked On gives you the 50 most valuable players in the NFL from the odds makers over at Bet Online. Available July 18th on Locked On NFL, wherever you get your podcasts, and it's even on YouTube. Who do you think is going to be number one? If I were to guess, I am going to say, ooh, it's got, it's probably going to be Tom Brady. Let's be real. <laughs> yeah, he's not even the best player in the league, but he will be number one for sure. Alrighty, I'm grabbing my notes. For Evan Bouchard, a coming out season for Evan Bouchard, and rightfully so, everybody said that this needs to be the season that Evan Bouchard steps up and becomes a defenseman everybody expects him to be. Well, he did. He did. In 81 games for uh, the Edmonton Oilers, for Evan Bouchard, 12 goals, 31 assists, 43 points for him. Very solid season, especially as a guy who started on that third pairing and kind of bounced between that first or second and third pairing. Thing about the Edmonton Oilers defenseman, it was very fluid throughout the season, especially after uh, uh, Jay Woodcroft came in as uh, the Edmonton Oilers then did uh, become more of an 11-7 type and just more of a fluid hockey team. Uh, in the postseason as well for event or Evander Kane's on the mind uh, for Evan Bouchard. Uh, 16 games played, three goals, six assists, nine points for him there. Very solid output as well. Now, the thing about Evan Bouchard, especially and more uh, specifically in the playoffs, his defensive play wasn't fantastic. However, the evolution 
of Evan Bouchard from even the start of the year, even from when Jay Woodcroft stepped in as head coach on February 10th to the final game against the Colorado Avalanche in that heartbreaker of a game. You could see the development of Evan Bouchard. He was getting into scrums. He was the first to step up for his teammates. And that is where he's really kind of become a leader in the locker room as well. Now, I know guys like Connor McDavid will say that he is a very important player on the team. But it's not only a leader on the team is not only for everybody. It is for the next people, the next younger players who are stepping in. And then guys like Dylan Holloway, a Dmitry Samarukov, enter player here, a Reed Schaefer, whoever, Luka Munzenberger, can come in and take a look and say, hey, Evan's been here for a year. I'm going to learn from him because he's been a pro. Even even Philip Broberg as well. I know he's been around the team as well for last season more specifically, but Evan Bouchard is a guy who now has uh, experience under his belt, a guy who understands his role and where he needs to be and what he needs to do. And for the younger players, that is a role model for them. That is, Evan Bouchard is a year into his career and he's already showing leadership qualities. He was the captain of the uh, London Knights before he became an Edmonton Oiler. So he has that leadership qualities. He has experience as a, a leader as well. Not saying he's going to be captain tomorrow, but I'm just saying the development of Evan Bouchard was apparent through the last season and good on him. Um, now we're going to get into my favorite stats, the goals for and goals against per 60 minutes. Pretty decent for uh, Evan Bouchard in all situations. He had a 3.27 goals for per 60 minutes, which was good for 11th, which was actually higher than Kyler Yamamoto uh, in on the Edmonton Oilers. In all situations, though, defensively, goals against per 60 minutes for Evan Bouchard is 3.08, which was 17th on the team, lower than Duncan Keith, Brett Kulak, and Chris Russell. So uh, especially comparing them to like-minded or defensemen, I guess, really not a fantastic season for him there. But again, that the thing about uh, goals against and goals for per 60 minutes in all situations is that it also takes the five on five. It takes the uh, power play. It takes the penalty kill. And especially when you take a, take a look at the power play and penalty kill, those numbers are super inflated. So it's kind of tough to take a look at there. But again, those are still numbers of whether or not you're on the ice or goal for or goal against and whether or not you can produce at five on five evan bouchard can produce uh 10 point or 2.83 excuse me uh goals for per 60 minutes for him which was good for 10th on the team higher than kyler yamamoto but lower than duncan keith and tyson berry which i found interesting as well five on five he had a 2.72 goals against per 60 minutes which was 18th on the team not too fantastic but you'll take a 2.82 and have him be 18th on the team any day honestly uh and and then on the power play, an odd stat here. I was kind of shocked by this, but again, young player could uh, come out differently. But on the power play, it had a 6.61 goals for per 60 minutes, which was good for 10th out of 13 players on the power play for the Edmonton Oilers. So that really needs to get better for Evan Bouchard if he's going to quarterback that power play. I know that also goes into account that he was mostly on the second uh, uh, unit for the Edmonton Oilers, but that does need to go up if the Edmonton Oilers and Evan Bouchard 
want to see success there. And then on the penalty kill as well, because he mostly then started becoming a penalty killer when Jay Woodcroft came in. Not a lot of trust instilled in Evan Bouchard from uh, uh, Dave Tippett defensively, but once Jay Woodcroft came in, he knew what he could do. And seventh on the team in goals against per 60 minutes on the PK, which was 7-1-3. For a final grade for Evan Bouchard last season, a B plus. Not bad. Not bad. A good season for him. I really wanted to give him an A minus, but uh, there's still some development to be had from Evan Bouchard. But a great season nonetheless. Let's just ride this into next season as he changes to number two, as mentioned at the start of the season or start of uh, the episode as well. He said that he wanted to change number two at the start of last season, but then of course the Edmonton Oilers traded for Duncan Keith, and you're not going to go to Duncan Keith and say uh, so about that number two. So uh, he changes to number two today. Good for him. He finally is settling into the NHL. Also, just uh, if you are on the YouTube, if you haven't made your way to YouTube and subscribe to YouTube as well, I'm also trying to show some love for uh, the, the audio listeners. But if you are uh, watching on YouTube, you may notice a couple different jerseys behind me. Again, I still have the Jack Campbell one from the Texas Stars from 2014 over my right shoulder. But... You may have recognized a, a former Oiler, a fun little name, over my left shoulder here. That is Matthew Guerrero. Got this bad boy at the uh, uh, Oilers uh, locker room sale back, oh, way back when. I love Matthew Guerrero. Uh, the last time, I think, an Edmonton Oilers goaltender wore number 32, if I'm not mistaken. I might be wrong there, but uh, I love Matthew Guerrero. It's a goalie episode. How do we not talk about the goalies? You got Brzgalov up there, get on over here, and the newest oiler, Jack Campbell, over here as well. But I uh, just thought I'd, I'd show a little of that, a little fun today. But either way, thank you so much for making Locked On Oilers your first listen every day. For your next listen, make sure you tune in to Locked On NHL. Locked On experts give you a daily 30-minute podcast on all things NHL all year long stay up to date in everything in the hockey world with locked on nhl your daily 30 minute nhl podcast Alrighty, we shall call it there thank you so much for tuning in again sorry for uh uh coming to you a little later than normal i had a had a meeting for my other job just full transparency uh a little earlier this morning so that went a little longer than I would have thought I had to prepare for this episode. I want to give you the most I possibly can. So we shall see you tomorrow on the Wednesday. I hope you have a wonderful Tuesday. Stay safe. Don't do anything I wouldn't do.